We're going to start in Romans 8, uh, Romans 8, 31 to the end of the chapter. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. Are we regarded as sheep to the slaughtered? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor, angel, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have Ephesians three fourteen through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Hey, thanks, you guys. Those are really two kind of landmark passages in the scriptures on love. It seems like, you know, we need to really dial in on that. Pastor Ted and I don't talk about so much what we're going to share, but it just seems like we've come to this moment where God has something to say to us about his love and about passing that on to lost people, experiencing it ourselves at a a deeper or more real level. And then next week, we're going to circle back around and and I'm making sure that characterizes our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters. This is, you know, the fact that the songs, what God put on Pastor Ted's heart, where we just happen to land in First John, we need to hear that, that oh, one of these moments of, okay, God, so you're trying, to, you're trying to really tell us something. Whether you just struggle with being lovable or being a loving person, or whether God is just t- saying, okay, time to go to that next step. We need to, we need to really pay attention to that. I mean, we all, at the end of the day, we all say, oh, well, I love people. You know, I'm, I know I'm probably okay in there. I could grow some, but it seems like God wants to say something louder than that. And I need to be dialed into that. that hey, God, that's how you wired me. I just have a heart for people. I love interacting with you. But I need to dial into what is it you're, what is it you're orchestrating something deeper here? And I need to lean in. And we all need to lean in on that. I had this um, moment where Pastor uh, Ted has just shared about lost people. I want to just take a second to tell you this opportunity I had this week. Because I don't get these opportunities. I'm one of those like you. I think, man, God, everybody else gets all these great opportunities. They meet people and they say to them, you know, just randomly, hey, how can I be saved? It seems like other people get such softballs. And I'll try to probe with people and I just hit the, you know, I hit the vault door or whatever. So this week, 
I had an appointment. Cindy and I go down to UConn Dental School for our dental work. It's a great place, great students. So I went down, and my student got switched. And so I had a, I had a new student who's about to graduate, and we're just talking as we're walking back to the, to the chair. And uh, even those of you who feel that way about dentists, isn't that something you talk about? The chair. I mean, the ch- when you usually say the chair, it's usually the electric chair. So... So I just, yeah, same thing. That's how I feel. Just breathe. Just breathe. It's the one time in my life, in one place, I just say that. So we're walking down the hall, and where are you from? And he's, he's telling me where he's from and his family. And, and then he said, originally, his family's from Pakistan. So I said, really? Where in Pakistan? He says, Lahore. I said, hey, I've been there. And we're walking down the hall. He stops. He turns around. He says, you have been to Lahore. I said, Twice. You know, it was just one of those moments. So I said, I loved the people. The food was phenomenal. And so we're, we get talking as we go along. And he says now, he says, what do you call it in, in Christianity? He said, in Islam, we call them sects, different branches of, of Islam. I said, we tend to call them more denominations. Uh, like our church would be non-denominational. He goes, okay. I said, although we would be under the umbrella of evangelical. He says, oh, Okay. And I worry about that just with what the whole political world has done to the world word evangelical. So, uh, so we're just talking about that. And then he says he's talking to some, some uh, Catholic friends and they're just discussing religion. He loves to discuss that. He's very open. He's a great, he was a great dentist. Uh, and then he was, he's, you know, he, he's just a great person, great young person. So he says they're talking on how, listen to this, how similar Catholicism and Islam are. Because in both, you are just trying to work hard to offset what you've done. And, and Catholicism has this and Islam has this. And so he said, is it like that at all? I said, not really. I said, we're kind of the flip of that. And I said, hey, I'm curious, do you ever get to a point where you have confidence that you'll be in, I forget the word he told me in Islam, what heaven is. I said, do you ever have a confidence that you're, okay, I'm good, I'm going to be there? He said, no, never. No matter what you do, you know, you will never know. And I said, see, that's, that's why we're the flip. We're told, you're too stained to do anything good. And so God saves us and now gives us the capacity to do good. And I said, people will say, well, if you're saved, then what is your motive for doing good? But I said, that's why Jesus said, by your fruit, by their fruits, you'll know them. So we're having this whole conversation while he's waiting for the, you know, he's putting on his scrub stuff and, and on, on all of that. But just that, and then, and that's where it ended. And as I was telling Pastor Ted about it, he just reinforced, that's, the, that's all the moment called for. Right. I think sometimes we just got to be at peace that that's all the moment. That wasn't a fail because we didn't kneel down beside the dental chair, you know. <laughs> it was a success because the moment was there. And, and as far as, as the moment opened, we went in. It was, it, was, it was great. And so I think, you know, we need to just hear what, what's just been shared with us. God, you know, I want your love, your love. Lord Jesus, you are constantly looking for people who are ready to talk. And when you found them, you talked. So that's all he's looking for us to be. You know, love is such a, such a complicated thing. This is where we are in First John, this statement that God is love. It's the, probably the most powerful words that we can speak to someone or that you can embrace the reality that, that God is love and what all of that is. So I want to walk through some things that maybe we found out that love is that has kind of made it hard for us to receive that or for, for hard, of, hard for us to really express that to other people. 
So, so enter into this. If, this if, you've, if you've known this experience, if you've known this kind of love or had this kind of reaction to love, just let me know that. Whether you, you, may, some of you, you may want to groan when you see the word, you may want to raise your hand, however you want to, but just travel with me on this. Some of us have done something embarrassing for love. Yeah? All right. Raise your hand so I can have you come up and tell us what that was. So, yeah. Yeah. Some of you, I mean, some of you think, I cannot believe I did that. Yeah. So when I was in fifth grade, there was this girl um, and we were, it was inside recess. I remember that. And so I had gone down to Mike's pharmacy and bought one of these little, you remember where they had all the little toy things that would hang there for 99 cents. It was this pearl necklace and two rings. And so I go up to her, you know, I can imagine, I can't believe I did this in front of all my friends on indoor recess. So I walk over to her and I said, hey, I got you two rings. Which one would you like? So, and that's where my education in women began. She said, both. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I like, think back on that. I think, man, I cannot believe I did that. I'm sure I paid for it in front of all my friends. How about this one? You've experienced conditional love. Yeah. Yeah. That I love you if, or I'll love you as long as, or you said or done something for love that you still regret. Not in a humorous way, but you just think, man, I'm still... I mean, there's, you know, there's a moment with Cindy, I would just spend the rest of my life apologizing for that. I know I'm forgiven, but just whenever that, whenever some, the right thing happens and I know that memory is triggered. Yep, we've all done that. Yeah, you've been badly loved. Not, not humanly loved, but some of your stories, you've just been badly loved. Or just seasons of your life, you felt unloved. One time we sang a song about love. It's one of the things that, this was a moment for me that helped me appreciate the culture of the church in a, what makes us unique in some ways. We'd sung a song about love and we just felt prompted to, to just take the mic around, give people an opportunity. Tell, tell us about a season in your life where you felt no one could ever love you. Because that's been part of some people's stories. And I remember one of our church family said, I remember when I was prostituting myself and I felt nobody could love me. I thought, well, God, thank you that we are in a church where somebody could actually say that and where nobody gasped because that's just some people's story. That's the real, I mean, John 8, God put that in there about the woman in adultery. You've done something foolish or dangerous for love. Not funny, but when you look back, you think, oh, God, thank you for covering me in that, you know. Might have been something as simple as getting in a car or whatever. How many of you have been in a season where you've been worn out by love? You just got to the point, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. Or in our journeys, you know, you might have come to a point where you just gave up on love. I am done trying, not worn up. I just don't believe what I am looking for is out there. We've all had to come to like the Cinderella moment they call and we realize that love is not out there. But when you've had realistic love expectations and you've just kind of given up that you're ever, going to, you're ever going to find that for yourself. I mean, wouldn't that seem like that's a message Satan would be pounding on us at the right moments? Or some of your journeys, I'm so sorry, you've been abused by love, by people that said they loved you or were in relationships where they should have loved you and they didn't. You know, that's been some of your, some of your journeys and some of your stories. 
those things, they can't affect, uh, they can't help but affect the way that you respond and the way that you love people now. Uh, how many of our journeys could we really say we've experienced agape love, that kind of love that God says that he alone has for us? So, so those words, when we talk about them, that God is love, incredibly powerful. But even that truth is going to have to filter through the love that we've experienced this far. He's going to have to clear the way of some of our past or some of our reactions or some of our memories or some of the lies that, that being loved badly has kind of driven into us that we believe are true. He's going to have to deal with that so that we can experience that kind of love for ourselves because we're not going to be able to pass it on to lost people or to each other if, if, we, if there isn't an open channel for him to pour it in, into us. So that's where we are in 1 John 4. We talked about how focused John is on love as he goes through the letter and weaving through it. Now in 1 John 4, he kind of he brings it really right in direct focus. So I want to read the read first John and start in verse 7 and go through the end of the chapter. He says, Beloved, he's gonna say that all the way through this letter, don't you love it? Hey beloved, just I'm starting out with the fact that God loves you so much. Don't forget that. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, yeah, so I was going over this again earlier this morning, just making my final scrawlings for my notes and just really sensed God saying, let's break this in half. You know, let's do some of this this week and come back to it next week. So this week, we need to love lost people. And then in this word, we need to receive the love God has for us. And then next week, we need to make sure we're passing that love to each other in such a way that the world sees there's something different about churches that gather in Jesus' name than other places. So John, to John, this is, this is such a given to him as he deals with this whole thing of keeping it real and speaking of God's love. What he's, to him, it's that if you've connected to God, you have connected to God's love. 
I mean, some of us, we envy people. You just look at their relationship with God and it's so clear that they have a relationship with God. They're able to sense deeply that he loves them. They know that. They're growing in that. They appreciate that so much. It's almost like it's real to them. It's almost like God sends them cards or something. They just have something that you, you don't. Many of us feel that way. They're like, God, if you could just love me the way that you're loving them. When the reality is, and John would say is, no, your prayer is, God, if only I could receive your love like they've received your love. Because to him, if you've connected to, if you've connected to God, you have connected to, to his love. It's who he is. I was thinking about that. If, if God had to write a profile on, on an app of who he was and he meets people or he sits down and, and he has to meet someone and well, tell me about yourself. He would say, well, there's three things you need to know about me. You need to know that I'm spirit. You know, that I'm not a, a person, but I am a spirit. And that's why, that's why he doesn't want people, to, in, like in the, in the Ten Commandments, don't make an image of me because don't bring me down to something that's visible. I'm a spirit. Another thing you need to know about me is that I'm holy. I'm totally separate from what you are. I'm, I'm pure. I'm sinless. I never have an evil thought. never do an evil action. I'm holy. And the third thing you need to know about me is that I am absolute love. Those are only three things in the Bible that God will come right out and say that simply. God is spirit, Jesus said. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. All through scripture, God is saying, I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. And then here, twice, John's going to tell you, God, God is love. He's going to put that out there. The only three things that it says that, that simply and that directly about God. That he is love. If you've connected to him, then you have connected his love. It's, it's who he is. Someone was writing, I was reading this week and they said, love is the motivator of everything God does. Why'd you do that? I mean, we all live with people saying that phrase. Why'd you do that? God's answer to whatever he does is because I love them. You know, maybe read through the prophets and man, when you're reading through the Bible and you get to the prophets, that's a pretty rough section. You know, um, we're going to come and we're going to overwhelm you. We're going to torture you. I'm going to take you away. I'm going to do this. doesn't seem very loving, but that whole thing comes under the umbrella. I love you so much. I cannot let you get away with this. I love you so much. I cannot let this snowball keep going. This destructive snowball keep going. I love you that much. I'm that committed to you that I'm not going to let you walk away from me. It motivates everything he does we get into those hard seasons, that's something we've got to grasp onto. God, why have you allowed this into my life? It needs to become, God, would you help me to believe that you love me so much that you're allowing this for whatever good thing it's going to do in me? However much I hate this and however unpleasant it seems and however unending it seems, it's motivated by love. You know, you're doing this because you love me. Everything, I mean, his love is in perfect balance with everything else that God, that God has done. If you, ever, if you ever read uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he speaks about all, all that God is, his attributes and everything, and speaks of how perfectly balanced they all are. They're not fighting each other. It's not like justice is having an argument with love. Oh, we need to punish these people. Well, I love them so much. They're just in total balance. But love motivates everything, as John lays out here. When you, when you connect to God, John would say, you have an agape experience. 
You know, agape is that word for love that is, is unique. It was never really used much before, before New Testament days. They were aware of it, but it's like the New Testament writers grabbed onto it to say, there's a love you've never heard of before. And it's the love that God has for people. So to John, if you connect to God's love, you've had an agape experience. That meets those of us that feel like I've never really been loved well in the course of my journey. That was true until you met God. Because in that moment, you had the opportunity to have an agape experience. Now, all these things could get in the way of blocking your experiencing that. But God is trying to give you this agape experience. And agape, I just simply defined it a couple weeks ago. It's just, it's seeing the value that someone has and then just committing yourself to bringing that value out, whatever the cost is. Just being faithful to keep working and to keep pouring yourself into them. Sounds a lot like parenting, doesn't it? You see how special this child is. You see the things that makes them unique amongst your other children. And you're just committing yourself to try to help them to believe who God has made them to be and become that person. That's, that's agape. And that's what God is, is doing with us. That's the definition. See value. Commit yourself to bringing that value out. And so God, God loves us that way. Watch how love is demonstrated. You know, for those of us that really had no clue what love is. I remember I was dating a girl in high school and she gave me this book. I, I can't believe I can remember, I can't remember the title of it because I was so offended by it. It was something on how you know what love is. I, she gives me this book and her name is not Cindy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so she gives me this book on, you know, how you know what love is or how to be a loving person or something. I thought, what do you think? I don't know how to love people. And that's exactly what she thought. And then, you know, when I get married, Cindy, she found out how little I knew about loving people well, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was looking for an amen on that. I was looking for other people to kind of join me there. But I understand the ice is thin if you're sitting with your spouse. Yeah. We don't know what love is. John shows us this is what agape love is. If you love someone, you're going to say that. So you're in a relationship with someone and it's going pretty well. And then you get to that point, you get to defining the relationship and then you get over that hurdle. And then you get to who's going to say, I love you first. And when you say, I love you, are you going to regret it? Like the next morning, you feel like you overcommitted, you stepped in the water too deeply or too early, however that goes. God speaks that. He speaks it in this. In fact, John tells you that he speaks it first. He says, and this is love, not that we loved God in verse 10, but that he loved us. So all through this book, this book, this particular book, but then the bigger book, God is constantly telling us that he loves us. That's what love does. It, it speaks it out. You know, there's the old joke that the husband, you know, his wife said to him, how come you never tell me that you love me? And he said, well, I told you I loved you when we got married. If it ever changes, I'll let you know. That's a great joke. That's terrible. That's just terrible. You know, children need to be reaffirmed constantly how loved they are. So do adults. And so God is modeling agape love for us. This is what it looks like. I, you speak it. But you don't just speak it because some of you have been in relationships where, yeah, the person kept telling me they love me, but the behavior went in a total different, different direction. And so John camps down and says that God has demonstrated his love. I mean, it's a passage I'm always coming back to in these services. I feel like sometimes I overuse it, but how do you overuse a Bible verse? You know, it says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though someone might possibly dare to die for a good man. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 5, 7, and 8. 
And so he tells you, he tells you that again here. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Well, early on, it says in verse nine, this is, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Yeah, he demonstrates his love for us. He sent his son. And then John circles back around and said, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our need. He did something that met the need that we had. That's what love does. It acts to meet the need that's in front of it for the good of the other person. That's the agape experience. When you came to God, when you came to saving faith, I hope that was the message that you were receiving. That even though you were repulsive to God in your sin, Romans says we were his enemies, even though you were unholy and he is holy. You know, even though you were all about self and so was I, and he is, he is totally loving. Even that, he sent Jesus for you to pay for all of that so that you could be who, who he created you to be, so that you could find forgiveness through Jesus, the forgiveness that you'd never earn for yourself. You could find forgiveness in him and become one of his children and step into this love relationship you're going to have for all of eternity. That's the gospel. Point, if you're here today and that's new to you or you've never done that or you've been thinking about doing that, you need to do that. Just do that now. You will not find that in any other human relationship. I'm trying my best but Cindy has a much better shop at agape love, developing her relationship with God than developing her relationship with me. That's just the truth. Those things are easier to say when she's not here. <laughs> so, yeah. But do you know what I mean? So if you've not come to Jesus, do that right now. It's not, I don't need to lead you in a prayer. You just need to acknowledge that in your heart while you're sitting there right now and just say, God, I, I know there are these things I've done. I guess I can't, make, I can't pay my way out of them. But if Jesus has paid for that, if you sent him to be the propitiation, the payment for my sins, I, I receive that. And I want to become your child. I want you to come into my life. I want to know this love. If you're saying that along with me and, you, and you're believing that, then you're saved. That's a saving moment. You know, the gospel allows you to experience God's love. So he, he demonstrates that. Again, you think of the harshness of the prophets, but the prophets is just God demonstrating his love. I love you too much to let you walk away. There are wives that have had been in that position or husbands that have been in that position, just like God has. I love you too much to let you walk away. There are parents that have been in that position. I love you too much to let you walk away. This is your, this is your punishment or this is your consequence. That's, a, that's an expression of love. He will not do that, which kind of brings you to that third piece of what it means to, to love someone. You know, you speak it, you show it, and you protect love. You protect that relationship. So God keeps telling us through the scriptures how committed to us he is. And he expects that kind of commitment back so we protect the relationship. No, he's not going to. He's going to speak to us when there's something wrong. You know, Cindy speaks to me, or if I say to her, hey, I'm, I'm worried that we're starting to drift, or I'm worried that this is, this is becoming a big priority to you. That's, those conversations, they're awkward, and sometimes they're uncomfortable, but they are protecting the relationship. And so when you read the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit stirs you, and he starts to convict you, or you're in a conversation with someone else, and they tell you that they're worried about you, they are protecting the relationship. That's what love does. And so that's what, that's what God does to us. So John you're connected to God's love. You've experienced agape love. And that's what that looks like. This letter is God, expect, is God protecting the relationship. This is what's real. 
We have a real relationship and I'm trying to protect that relationship. These people are liars who are in your church who are speaking against the truth. You need to know that so that they don't lead you away from, from me into an impure love relationship. That's what the scriptures are doing in that way. You come to God. If you come to God's love, John would also say, you've had an auto connection to his love. Again, maybe we circle back to people that just seem like they have, they experience God's love in a way that you don't. And some of that's going to be personality. You know, there's some people that are just, God is wired to be more emotional. And so they're going to have a more of an emotional connection to God's love. And there are others of you that are wired more logically. And you're going to appreciate what it means logically that God loves you. But everyone has an auto connection to his love. Watch this through the passage. Uh, even in verse seven, let us love one another for love is of God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You're going to watch John use that word whoever or anyone six times through these verses. Why is that? He's trying to show that everyone that has come to God, everyone that's had a connection to God has had a connection to his love. If you don't experience that, I'm going to, it's going to be one of the themes coming through these weeks. If you don't experience that, if that's not real to you, there is something in you that's blocking that. Because God is pouring that, he's pouring that out to you. You know, what, what Paul calls the filling of the Holy Spirit, John is just going to call abiding. It's just, it's in there. It's, God, help me to clear out the experiences or how I've interpreted the experiences or the lies that have been spoken over me that have become truth. Help me to clear those out so that your love can just flow in and, f- and flush in. Because he's going to say that that love is, is working in you automatically. If you've been connected to God's love, that love is working in you. And that's why you're going to see, John, keep using this word abiding. If you're abiding in him, if, if you've connected to God, uh, if he's filled you, whether it's Jesus's picture of I'm the vine and you're the branches and the life of the vine just flowing out through the verses, uh, out into the branches, that's his love that's very real that's going to make its way out into the way you think, the way that you look at yourself, the freedom with which you're able to live, the way you're able to relate to other people. It's going to, it's going to conquer all of those things. It's at work in you. That's why John will say twice it's being perfected. He says in verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's being perfected in us. And then again in verse 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. That his love is working in its way in you. It's working towards perfection so that you can experience a perfect love. That the experience you have with God's love can be made perfect in spite of how unloving, many unloving relationships you may be in. You can experience that loving relationship. And if he has greatest priority in your life, that love will get you through. That love will dominate the other ones that you're not in. I mean, some unloving relationships you can't help but be in. You know, if it's, a, if it's part of your extended family or whatever, you just can't help it. You just gotta, gotta bear with them uh, when you see them. Some, uh, some unloving relationships, you need to cut out of your life rather than just tolerate that. So that's the lie so many, so many people live with. I just deserve this. I just, some, for some reason, I just deserve to be loved poorly. That's not what I see in Scripture at all. The Scripture tells me that God is trying to love you. 
you need to be in healthy places so that you can experience that. He's going to put people in your life to experience it through, not to take his place, but to experience it through. And if there are people who are, who are pouring something that's hurting that, it's time to, it's kind to let, that, let that go. Because when God's love, when, when you're abiding with him, when he is in you, do you see that, how it says in verse 13, by this we know we abide in him and he in us. And then I notice he's going to say that twice more in this passage. We abide in him and he in us. You get that sense that this life is just flowing from him into us. When that happens, when you abide in him, it just overwhelms the brokenness that you bring into the relationship. I mean, you're made new in Christ, but your old thinking still comes in and your past comes in with you. But when you abide with him and his life is flowing through you and the spirit gets to speak clearly and his love and peace and joy, those things that scripture says, this is what the filling of the Holy Spirit looks like. This is his fruit. This is what he unleashes in your life when you have a relationship with him. When those are allowed to come in, it takes care of your brokenness. It overwhelms your brokenness with a whole new message about who you are and how valuable you are. It heals, it heals those areas of your past and it will, can help you reinterpret the things that have happened to me. This happened to me and so I interpreted, I must have deserved this or I must have asked for this or I must just be this kind of person. And when you're able to abide in his love, it will reinterpret those things and bring healing. That no, you didn't deserve this. No, this is, you might have made some dumb decisions along the way, but that's not where it should have landed. The labels that people have put on you or maybe you've just put on yourself, boy, when you abide in his love, it just overwhelms those things. It just swallows up those labels that people have set over you. This is who I am. This is what I deserve. Boy, God has a whole new, this is who you are. This is what you deserve. And his love is the primary communicator of that. It'll overwhelm those labels that have come over you. Or the insecurities, you know, if, if you can dial back to what I said at the beginning, that God is trying to say something to the church these two weeks, I really believe that. Through what Pastor Ted shared, the songs that God put on Carrie's heart, this word, the word next week. The issue for so many of us as followers of Jesus is, is in that area of insecurity. You know, you need to love lost people, you need to love people in here. That means you've got to get close to people. You've got to talk to people. That's insecure. That struggle for so many is insecurity. When you abide in the love of Christ and you can receive how valuable you are and how, how that if he's commanding you to do this, then he really has given you everything you need for this. I remember when Bruce and Marion came to the church, Bruce would say this verse like a mantra. And I think it was just, cause God, I'd never noticed it. God just drilled it into me, that verse in 2 Peter. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So when he calls you to do these things, he's given you everything you need. John is telling you, you have connected to God's love and it's working in you. And that insecurity that, that keeps you wrapped up, his, his love, if you abide in that, can just swallow that up with a confidence. If you wait to be comfortable, that time will never come. You know, if I wait till I'm comfortable talking to a person, lost person, I mean, what I was able to experience this week, that was like a gift. That's so rare. Normally it's trying to push the door and see if this door's open, see how far this door will. If I wait till I'm comfortable, I'll rarely share Jesus. You know, if I wait till I'm, if you wait till you're comfortable, that will never come. But if you, if you will just trust that you're competent, 
that's right now. That's right now because God is trying to let you know his love is flowing in you, your value. If you blow the conversation, if I totally blew the conversation Thursday, I'm still as loved as ever. You know, the spirit's going to pick me up there, but it's not going to affect his love. And so John says that to John, again, this is an automatic thing that happens to every follower of Jesus. Look at the language he uses in verse seven. Let us love one another for, for love is a God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. To John, it's an automatic. If you become a follower of Jesus, you have been born of God. There's something, and his love is in you. That's something that's working in you. Then look at what he, how he puts it in verse 16. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God's love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. We've come to know this love and to believe in it. And this love is working. And then what he says in verse 18, in verse 18, he says, there is no love and there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected. Perfect love casts out fear. It's working in you. It's trying to rewrite those things that you're afraid of, afraid of life, afraid of love, afraid of people, afraid of whatever that is. You're afraid of moving outside your comfort zone. His love is working in you to, to remove that and, and to, to uh, eliminate that. If you've had that, ex- if you've connected with God, you have connected to that. And that's the language that he's using. This quote that I came across It says, a believer is a sinner who's loved by God. When he realizes this, he enters into the sphere of God's love and he himself becomes loving. Can't help it happen. We know that we're loved by God. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you would believe in him and never, not perish, but have eternal life. But when you realize that for you, now you've entered into what Gunther calls the sphere of God's love, what John would say, now you're abiding in his love. And that automatically makes you become a, a loving person. This hasn't happened to me. This, you know, this would be some of the objection we have. This just hasn't happened to me. So let me just, let me just pick up real quickly before I wrap up. John tells us it's faith that makes a connection to God's love. It's nothing you do. It's just faith that connects that. And John says in verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It's a, it's faith that introduces you to this. Not anything you do, nothing else. It's just your faith. It's believing it. The gospel brings, brings this love into your experience, into your past. It makes it part of your ability. All of those things begin to change because you have faith in that, because you believe that. It's this automatic thing for John that he spoke of, that you've been born to this. You know this. You've come to know this. This is Jesus' language and why he uses language like born again, or I've come to give you life to the full. That faith in him is what makes the connection for all of this to get unleashed into your life. So it's nothing you need to do. It's just what you need to believe about God, about yourself, about your story, about, about the reality of what it is that you're able to do. And so, so coming away from this, you just say, God, this is not at all what I'm experiencing. Maybe there's your prayer coming away. You know, God, I, I believe Pastor Jeff. I see what he's saying. I just, this isn't what I'm feeling. This isn't my experience. And he's just, I just encourage you to just cry out to him and say, God, I want to know 
your love the way that you want me to know that. I need you to clear out of the way the things that block, you know, me experiencing that. Because if I'm going to love lost people, if I'm going to love, take my role in this body the way you want me to, I'm going to have to experience your love. If you've never, if you've never come to that point, as I said along the way, this is the day you need to just receive Jesus as your Savior. That's where God's love comes that's where God's love will come rolling out. So I want to take a moment and uh, play, a, play a short video that I just love. It just speaks to how loved we are. And then Carrie's gonna, Carrie and the team will come up and lead us in a closing hymn. And fortunately, we've got to say goodbye to you who are on live stream. It's, we have the rights to show the, the video in the service, but not out on the live stream due to some music. We can put a link to it up on YouTube uh, afterwards for you. We're glad you're with us. Even at home, the love of God can be as real to you as it is in this room. In fact, if it's only in this room, we are all in trouble. So, hey, God bless you as you live your week out on live stream. And here's, here's our video.